Jesus surrendered himself to the Father throughout his whole life on earth, but it's striking that in the end, when he faced the worst of it, he knew what he was going to on the cross. He surrendered himself to death, but he did so in saying, my Father, if possible, let this pass cup let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And what he did there is just what we're saying here. He admitted to the truth of it. If it possible to do this any other way, if I don't have to, Lord, encounter your wrath, your horrible wrath against sin, if I don't have to go through the suffering of the cross, if there's any other way, so be it. But what I want more than that is I want your will. Hello, welcome to episode six of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. I'm Michael, the producer of the Redeemed Hearts podcast. Your hosts, Willie and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. In this episode, Whirly and Danina will discuss how we can learn to deal with loss and change in our lives, especially during this time of the COVID-19 crisis, but in other times as well. Here's Whirly and Danina. Well, welcome once again. We're glad to be with you as we come to you in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. We're still under quarantine as we share this podcast with you. Not sure if we will be when the podcast actually comes out, but we want to talk about loss today. It's not something that just has to do with a pandemic like this. It has to do with all of life, but we thought it might be especially helpful uh, as we're in the midst of this situation. And part of the reason that we picked this topic is because as we've you know, lived the last um, couple of months and as we've visited with people over the last you know, six, eight weeks, a common theme has been the experience of loss or the fear of potential loss, not only because of the virus, but really because of our economy also. So our normal daily routines and concerns are being replaced with an overall awareness that life as we've known it has changed. And underneath uh, the feelings of stress and anxiety and anger and depression um, lies a lot of loss. There is, uh, like I said earlier, there's loss as um, of life as we've known it. Many are losing jobs. There's loss of being able to go to school um, for students and for parents. And there's loss of being able to teach. And I um, know that there are many students and teachers that are saying they just have a lot of sadness because school is just over. They didn't get to have any goodbye with their student before they're moving on to the next grade or whatever it might be. It's just over, and people are left with really little choice about that. Yeah, and almost everybody's experienced the loss of freedom to get out, to just enjoy life, to go to the store. You know, I'm kind of weird in the sense I like to just go to Walmart. Yes. But I can't go in the same way. Mm -hmm. If I go, I got to go at a certain time, and I'm always real careful about it. So just loss of daily life things to get out, certainly loss to travel as we're mobile society. Uh, We've certainly experienced the loss of worshiping together with our church community. Um, connection with others, and as you mentioned, loss of jobs. There's loss of financial security. Many who still have jobs, their income's been cut or weighed down. Mm-hmm. And for some, there's actually also um, grieving or that goes on or the loss that's tied to losing their identity that was tied up in their job and what they did. And for others, 
Uh, there's been a lot of pain experienced because they've had to make a lot of hard decisions about letting people go from their jobs and knowing that that's impacting, you know, people's lives and their families and having to live with um, just the weight of that responsibility and reality. Yeah, many are experiencing losses, celebrations. Mm-hmm. This is the, we're coming up on the season when there are many weddings. People have had to postpone, cancel, do it different. Uh, graduations were impacted by a nephew who's going to be graduating, and their graduation's been changed. Uh, so family occasions like that. And then we also know people who've died, um, not just from the coronavirus, but from other types of illnesses, and the funeral plans have been changed, and it's hard to go visit people when there's uh, you, you're asked to, to not do so, and so there's been losses as far as that goes. And it's also been really painful to just hear the stories about people that are dying alone. I mean, Mm -hmm. separated from their loved ones with just their nurses or their doctors being present. And um, they're, you know, also just uh, like you said, the funerals are changed. um, How we go about all that's changed. So many of all these things we've mentioned here have been removed and taken away and we didn't get to choose this, and so we want to just talk about today. I mean, what are we to do with this? Yeah, and you know, Danina, one thing that we've talked about many times is we can we can look to other times and experiences and know that there very well are other uh, times in the world that people have gone through worse. Um, world wars that have gone through worse. Uh, certainly the... The Spanish flu, more people died in that, and it impacted people. But but, but we have to talk about what's happening in our time, and, and I think this is an important thing, that mm-hmm. it's impacting us. And so we're talking about this loss. Um, so and part that, of what you're saying is we tend to sometimes minimize right. our reality or the impact of right. what's going on now because we can always find something worse or we can find something even easier to focus on instead of settling into what's our reality right now. Right, and it is a reality. Yeah. And I think it calls us to, to look at things differently. And so in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, we are asking ourselves, what do we as believers do when we encounter various losses? And so to discuss this, we're going to focus on three words, sorrow, surrender, and serve. So the first word that we're focusing on is sorrow, and none of us likes to feel pain. I mean, I I don't. And the word sorrow itself just stirs up pain, really just even thinking about it or hearing it. But even though pain, uh, we know, is a God-given emotion and something that God uses in our lives, sometimes to correct us, other times to comfort us, we want to run away from it. And author Carol Kent, in her book, um, Tame Your Fears, that I've used for several years in my um, counseling practice, says, in an attempt to escape both our pain and powerlessness, we choose destructive paths that include denial, escape, living defeated as a hopeless victim, or we respond with bitterness and blaming others. And we agree with this because overall, we tend to be a culture that works to live above our pain disconnected or distracted and are often, uh, as a result of this, left with anxiety, depression, and uh, with struggling or broken relationships. We wonder where God is, and yet we tend to relate to Him from our head knowledge, 
but seldom really settle down into giving him our full heart and even just this emotion that we're talking about that is sorrow. And Christians are, I think, sometimes especially immune to this because of our desire to live hopeful and positive about the things that are happening. But we too easily fall into thinking that we're a better Christian um, and are stronger if we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and show the world that we're fine. I think this is true for women and for men, but I think especially men that we're made to be strong for others. It's part of who we are and the way that God has made us. It's what we're supposed to be. But we don't necessarily sorrow well. And then when we don't do that, consequences come. Uh, When we only depend upon ourselves, our anxiety grows. When we take our pain out on others, our relationships are wounded or broken. Or when we check out and distract ourselves, our depression grows. So there's got, there's got to be something better, a better answer. And we're saying the better answer is this whole thing of calling, of sorrow. Mm-hmm. So today we are saying that there is a better answer, that we grieve, we sorrow. Healthy people are actually people who acknowledge their losses. Sometimes I'll give the assignment in counseling to just... You know, name your losses or will, mm-hmm. as counselors, sit and help people identify what those losses are. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people are just crying right. or angry all day or, you know, it, it's manifesting itself relationally, but they don't know what's really under that. And so... And, you know, time will, will bring these things out as much as anything I've noticed as the weeks go on here that you and I probably got a little bit you know, shorter with each other, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, a little bit um, aware of being frustrated or I would just even say moody. And I think underneath some of that is this very thing we're talking about, Mm -hmm. this loss that we need to, we need to name and identify those things. So as we've said, we're going to admit that this is hard, whatever this circumstance is that we're facing. um, It's sad. And we're not just talking about, like we've said earlier, over death and separation from our loved ones. I mean, that that's mm-hmm. a given that, that we're going to grieve. And people and, understand that. Yes. Um, but we need to be people who grieve the losses that we mentioned as we started today. Sometimes it's the everyday small losses that impact us and accumulate and then, you know, manifest themselves. These losses can really be hard to identify and quantify because it's different than the death of a person. When the loss is tied to the death of a dream or maybe the death of our freedom right now or death of our health or death of a, you know, a marriage or a relationship uh, with our children maybe, uh, death of financial security or maybe death of our career. I mean, right now it's just... Uh, you know, death of just our overall... Life as we know it. Yes. Yeah, there's just constant changes. So in these cases, there's not a formal grieving process as there usually is with the funeral. Seldom are there any friends that... Or loved ones who show up and say, hey, I, I see your loss, yeah, and, and, and I want to walk with you. And that intensifies the whole thing of us thinking, well, I shouldn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. When somebody dies and, and you're grieving over that loss, then people identify it and see it and call it what it is. But without us even knowing, and really other people don't recognize, it can be really hard to say, hey, this is a loss. Mm-hmm. 
does. And I think, you know, while we are people who seldom give ourselves permission to sorrow, um, the thing that we know in Scripture is that God places a very high value on the process of sorrow all through His Word. And one of my favorite passages when I think about grieving, when I think about sorrow, when I think about loss, is Psalm 56, 8, where it says that God keeps track of all my sorrows. I mean, that, that amazes me mm-hmm. when you think of all the people throughout the world, mm-hmm. all the children who belong to Him. It goes on to say He collects all of our tears in a bottle, and He records each one in a book. And, and the thing that jumps out to me there is just the word all, and it's all of them. Mm-hmm. And many people um, live with a lot of pain, feeling like they're, you know, they're not being noticed with their sorrow or with their pain or with their grief. And but God does. But I mean, nothing's missed by Him, and um, this gives me a lot of comfort in my own life. Another passage is from Ecclesiastes three four, where it says that there's a time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn and a time to dance. Once again, God's Word is placing value on the fact that there are seasons of um, weeping, seasons of sorrow, seasons of mourning, uh, and then, you know, th- there will be an end. There will be a season to to dance and a season to um, laugh and rejoice. And I've used that verse often in, in, in part of the scriptures that I use in a funeral, and, and that's certainly a time to do it. But I would say... You know, there's there's cases here where we can easily identify this is a time to weep. Now, that's not all that's going on with us, but it's certainly something we have to, you know, embrace. This is a bitter time, if you will, in the, the scheme of the whole world. Uh, you know, 20,000 plus deaths at this time in in New York and New York City. And can you imagine if that was your city? Well, that or, would be our entire city. Yeah. That's and, about our population. And, you know, proportionally, some cities are having these kinds of things. And if it's your family, then then you're in the middle of it. And so, again, this is a hard time. And you can't imagine anyone right now saying, if they were to ask you, how you're doing, I can't imagine anybody just saying, well, things are great. They couldn't be better. I don't know who could say that right now. And so with that said, God wants us to keep our mourning and our sorrow in perspective. He's the one who sees, and he's the one that puts our tears into a bottle, as it says. He wants us to see them in perspective, and he, and he calls us to embrace them. Ecclesiastes 7 so it gives the reader perspective on life and just this larger context of a brokenness of a world, a world where people eventually die. And he says that sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. Now that's a, a twist, as Solomon does in the Ecclesiastes, a paradox, if you will. It's something that you wouldn't expect to say. The, the verses here Give the perspective that in this fallen world that we live in, when the heart tries to live above something that is not true, it will always be heavy and restless. So there is relief in the truth of the situation, even when the situation is hard. And that's why Solomon would say here, sorrow is better than laughter. By sadness of face, the heart is made glad. I can't pretend that this isn't hard or difficult. I have to embrace it and see it as God does. He does care. 
Well, and it makes me think of James 4, where we also know that sometimes our sadness or our mourning is over our sin, where he says, weep, mourn, and lament over your sin. And so in the middle of this hard circumstance, sometimes, you know, I'm seeing mm-hmm. my own sin and the the mourning, the sadness, the sorrow is, I mean, it's it's a good sadness that is over, you know, my own sin that's maybe impacted somebody else. Yeah, so. and there's nothing like um, a hard thing to show who we really are. Yes. And at root, we're sinners. Mm-hmm. And then there's nothing like being cooped up with family <laughs> <laughs> to show and to, you know, you, you don't pretend as much. And so you, well, tend, you can't get away. <laughs> right. And so sin comes out. And so, yes, I think seeing the truth in our sorrow mm-hmm. is is what we need to admit to. And, and Solomon's saying here in Ecclesiastes 7, doing so, just admitting that will bring relief to the heart. Mm-hmm. And God's word in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes says that our sorrow will lead to comfort. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And this is a place, you know, all of us as people are in when we're experiencing the fallenness and the brokenness of our world. And this is the promise that God is making to those believers who are hurting and mourning, but not to those who have it all together. He's not saying, you know, happy are those who have their act all together, for I will comfort them. I mean, he's saying, you know, blessed, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I, you know, have you all out there that are listening to this ever been miserable and felt like you were receiving no comfort? I mean, that that can happen. And sometimes I think about the fact that it's maybe because we're not settling into our sorrow. We're not mourning over the losses or maybe we're not mourning over our own sin. So we're not receiving the comfort from Christ that he's promised or the comfort that comes from you know, Christ's death on the cross over our sin. And, you know, Danina, these, as we said, many of these losses are hard to name. And so we're not necessarily going to experience a whole lot of encouragement from others. Now, Especially right now. Yeah, yeah. Now, if we talk to people and tell them, they may feel forced, but they may not. But the point being is that God does. But if we don't admit to it, is, is what you're saying. If we don't mourn, then how can we receive God's comfort? Mm-hmm. So blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those who are in Christ can experience this, you know, what we're talking about, God's healing and comfort. And I like the fact that the Greek word here translated comforted is the same word that's used to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So basically, this passage here is telling us that in our, you know, sorrow, in our mourning here, the Holy Spirit is going to be at work in us and move in us to bring about that inner joy that comes that's, you know, not a happiness tied to circumstances, but it's an inner joy. And many, I think, are afraid to settle into sorrow because they fear getting stuck in the pain or in turning to self-pity or self-destructive choices. I hear this mm-hmm. a lot um, mm-hmm. over the last, you know, 23 years of counseling, I just think I I, I don't even want to go there Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I don't want to get stuck there. And some people have really gone into, you know, a deep, dark place and it makes them even more fearful. But we know it doesn't have to be this way. And, And so that's why we want to go ahead and move into our next word, which is surrender, because this is why our sorrow has to include both the really the next two words, which are sorrow 
or surrender and service. And to sorrow, well, we must also surrender. So why don't you talk yes, about so, surrender? So surrender, I mean, true Christians know and understand this act of surrender. When you were saved, you surrendered yourself, placing your faith in Christ. The song sung years ago popularized the words, I surrender all. Mm-hmm. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we really Do we really surrender all? Do we surrender our desires to the Lord? Do we surrender our fears, our control, our pain, or our anger to the Lord? Do we surrender coping strategies and self-reliant behavior uh, and believe that God is worthy and full of trust? Can we let go of our denials, our ways of escape, and accept that we're powerless to fix or to change or to control other people or our circumstances. I mean, we are aware of so many of these things right now. Do we surrender? We think this depends on, uh, you and I do, we think in order to surrender depends on um, what or who we're surrendering to. So tell us a little bit about what we're surrendering to. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing here is important, Worley, that we are surrendering to the truth. Um, Surrender carries with it, I I mean, I would say the connotation of acceptance. I surrender when I stop struggling against someone or something and acknowledge and accept, you know, what my truth is, what my reality is. And I do want you to please hear us here say that we're, we, we're not talking about surrendering to sin in our own life or surrendering to someone else's sinful or abusive behavior here. We aren't saying that you have to accept that uh, your suffering is right or, you know, okay. We're talking about acknowledging what is true so you can begin to address the impact it's having on you. We're talking about accepting this reality in order to help us find some clarity about how to heal and learn and develop a plan for addressing the circumstance that we're in. So basically, I mean, I keep saying this over and over again, but we're talking about accepting what is true. And failing to accept reality always creates suffering where there is already suffering. Mm -hmm. Just adds on. Yeah, where there's already pain. Because what's occurring? Mm -hmm. um, It's already occurring right Mm -hmm. now. So fighting against it or living disconnected from it is not going to actually change this fact. And that's important because when we're talking about surrendering to what's true here, that's a logical and factual decision. It's, It's... just because this is the fact of what's true about the circumstance or this person or this relationship. And it's not a decision that may change our circumstances, but it is a decision that can change our focus or our attitude. Yeah, and if I could say a word about this, because it's sometimes you, you said about what's the reality of my world. And what we're not saying is we're not saying that um, I have a reality in my world and you have a reality in your world and but but there's there's just reality there's truth and so my experience of it though and what I'm going through I need to be able to for for there to be the, the truth needs to be known about it and if I can't figure this out on my own and I often can't then talking to you or talking through it with you or you with me or to our audience, you know, whether it be a close friend, it be somebody on the phone, but just being able to come to, well, what's really going on can be really helpful. So. Well, really, um, I mean, as we 
conclude that part about what are we to surrender to. We're to surrender to the truth, which holds that idea of acceptance. We're saying, you know, as, you know, Worley and I want to just really invite you to ask yourself what's true about your circumstances or maybe the people or the relationships in your life right now. What, what are the facts? Where can you surrender by accepting what is true? There's a letting go that comes with this, and it has to start with dealing with the truth, with yeah, the facts. And I'm glad you say start there because because so far that concept isn't necessarily any different than any other religion or many of the religions of the world. It's very important as believers that we go into this next step of not only do we surrender to what's true by, by admitting it, but we we also have to surrender to a person because surrender is painful. It means I'm letting go. It can feel terrifying. And mm-hmm. so in knowing who we are surrendering to, it's extremely important. Some have had abusive past uh, and unhealthy people in their lives that they've been forced to surrender uh, to or to sinful people who have caused harm. And, and it makes it hard to let go of control. So we must know who we're surrendering to, and it's our next point we are surrendering to the person of christ it's really important that's good it's the gospel it's 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 who we are in christ So um, when we surrender to Jesus, we're surrendering to one who's like no other man or woman. He's one who knows struggle and difficulty and severe suffering. Isaiah 53.3 says, when we surrender to Jesus, we're surrendering to a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He didn't live above the sinfulness and struggle of the world. So he knows what we're going through. That's comforting. I mean, to me, to think about that the person I'm surrendering to, he didn't he didn't live above the sinfulness and struggle of the world. He was human. He that those that phrase, a man yeah. of sorrows yeah. and acquainted with grief, really mm-hmm. should speak to all of us. Mm-hmm. And unlike any other god, any other gods in other religions, I mean, Jesus, the God Man, became a man, and he knows what it is to suffer and to struggle under this world of sin. Um, wasn't sinful himself, but he 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 lived in this world of of struggle and suffering and sin. And so, not only did he know it, but he also set the example for us in surrendering, in that he surrendered his will to the Father. Because we're we're encouraging ourselves towards okay, this is we we want to surrender ourselves to God to what's going on in our lives. In order for Jesus to do this, he had to trust in the Father. And Jesus knew the very same things we're told in the scriptures. Uh, God is good. God is powerful. God's working all things together for the good of his children. All, all direct references from scripture. Jesus surrendered himself to the Father throughout his whole life on earth. But it's striking that in the end, when he faced the worst of it, 
He knew what he was going to on the cross. He surrendered himself to death, but he did so in saying, my father, if possible, let this pass cup let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And what he did there is just what we're saying here. He admitted to the truth of it. If it possible to do this any other way, if I don't have to, Lord, encounter your wrath, your horrible wrath against sin, if I don't have to go through the suffering of the cross, if there's any other way, so be it. But what I want more than that is I want your will. And then as a result of his surrender, the, the model of Jesus, and I think very passionate, very heartfelt, that that's our model to us, the truth. But as a result, Jesus um, was given authority over the whole world, and, and God highly exalted him. As it says in Philippians 2, he bestowed on him the name that is above every name. He gave him all power and all authority. So currently, all these things we're going through in our lives are under the authority and the lordship of Jesus. He is in control. So we're surrendering to Jesus, this different kind of God who knows our suffering because he went through all things, but we also surrendering to one who has power over all things. And that gives me comfort in the midst of this, of knowing he could intervene and stop anything that's happening, but it's hard to know exactly why he does the things that he's doing. He allows the things that he's doing, um, but he, he has the power to do it. And if he has the power to do it, then why are these things so difficult and so hard? Why does he lead us through stormy seas or seasons of suffering? I don't think we try to answer this. In, in, and I don't. there's many things we can't answer, but rather I think what we do with these questions as we look further into the word in the character of Jesus, you know, who, who he was, um, who God is. Well, and this is why our second point is saying we're not just surrendering to anyone right. here. We're surrendering to a person who was not only human, but he was also holy and all-knowing and all-powerful. And loving. And loving, yes. And Lamentations 3, 31 through 33 says, For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. So God is in all things that happen in our lives, even in the suffering that we endure. But the character of God takes no pleasure in our sorrow. And we see this in this verse. He doesn't enjoy seeing us sad, as it's said here. He does not afflict from his heart. And Johnny Erickson Tata, who is now 70 years old, but became a quadriplegic at age 17 and has had just really an amazing ministry and story, she says that um, when she's talking about God's purpose over our suffering, that God permits things that he hates. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like spinal cord injury. He takes no pleasure in MS or children with spinal bifida. He permits things he can't stand, things, things that he hates in order to accomplish the things that he loves. And then she says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Yeah, and, and coming from her, I mean, that means, you know, of course, so much. She's lived it, she's experienced it, and she can say, God doesn't take pleasure in the specific things 
that happen or that he does, but that he has greater purpose. It was an interview that um, she had some years ago, and she's really said it in several interviews. She goes on and quotes John Piper, who puts it this way, God looks at suffering through two lenses. He looks at the isolated suffering and loathes it. His heart hurts when each of us go through loss of jobs or life, or maybe it's a divorce. I would say it's anything any of us are going through in the midst of this coronavirus. The specifics of it, his heart hurts. But the other way he looks at it, the wide-angle lens, uh, he, he, he loves, and he sees the mosaic of how it all goes together, not only for our good, but the good for all of all those around us for his glory. And I don't know how you get through something. When you hear Johnny Erickson Tata's story, mm-hmm. and she speaks of just all of her friends taking turns just coming to get her up out of bed in mm-hmm. the morning and get her out the door every day, and how every day she just doesn't even want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And she has to say, you know, God, you know the truth is mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do this mm-hmm. day, um, but I, you know, trust you and entrust myself to you. And I, I think she said in that interview, um, give me your smile. Is mm-hmm. that what she said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me your smile, even to greet her friends that were coming to help. And, you know, her husband who puts her to bed and if she's in pain in the middle of the night, has to wake up to turn her over. And I mean, just yeah, and if, there, if, there's no way that you can live through those kind of circumstances unless you really believe in the character of God and the purposes of God, because you can't answer the why. You have to go to the who, <laughs> you know, that you're trusting in that for that strength. And it's very helpful to think in the who of this God who sees us in our specifics and, and it pains him, and yet he also sees the bigger picture. And that, she's an example of that. She's just had an amazing well, and she'll tell ministry. You, and she tells you in her testimony that if it wasn't for her accident when she was 17 and becoming quadriplegic she would her her life would be a wreck i think she would even say she might not even know christ Mm -hmm. she would just be going her own way that he really has used it for a better good that that's actually he's used her to reach many so the lens that our loving god sees through is not just personal, but it's in a broader view that that only God understands some of these things. Mm -hmm. And as we think about surrender here, I want to share a quote from Chuck Swindoll, where he says, are you ready to face the next battle of your life with a new strategy? Okay, then start by surrendering. Instead of returning to your same old method, doing a month of mental push-ups, talking yourself into looking strong and acting brave, putting on the gloves and stepping into the ring with swagger, relying on your own strength to win and succeed and impress, stop and surrender. Drop to your knees and cry out to God. Admit your inadequacies and declare your inability to keep going on your own. If you're finally ready to step aside and let him have his way, then say so, then do it. He will honor your admission of weakness by showing himself strong through you. But if you don't, he won't. I have learned the greater the struggle to surrender, the greater the surprise. So as we do this internal work of sorrow and surrender that we're talking about here, we want you to think about where where do you need to um, step into the truth and sorrow, and where do you need to 
move toward the character of God, of Jesus Christ, and surrender. Where, you know, where do you need to let go? What's God asking you to let go of here? But we always have to keep that balanced with serving mm -hmm. because otherwise we can get really stuck. And mm -hmm. this other process is very internal. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about serving. We're talking about, you know, action and living that's, that's going to keep us from getting stuck. Yeah, and so this is our last point of serve. It's the last word. And we really pull this from Ephesians 2.10, that when we were saved and pandemics don't stop this, Suffering doesn't stop this. Death of loved ones doesn't stop this. God saved us for purposes. And so Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That God has works for us to do. They're different for all of us. And our surrender of our sorrow always gives way to service. So, mm -hmm. and I mean, Worley, don't you think that staying stuck in the work of grief can at times become a sin if that sorrow leads to, you know, bitterness or ongoing anger or, you know, maybe just a lot of self-pity? Absolutely. Despair? That's one of the reasons why I think sometimes we don't let ourselves go there with the sorrow. And so I think for a season, maybe it's a day, maybe it's five days, maybe, you know, whatever period of time you're walking with the Lord as you do this. But it, it's not a place that you're going to only stay there. Mm -hmm. And you can even do this simultaneously. But, but uh, And God's Spirit really is the one who helps us sorrow and, and surrender to our reality and to God's purposes and then go live. So I think, I mean, how are you all out there that we're talking to doing with this? Yeah, and, and you know, we, you and I talked about this right now. We often tend to think of service in these days as big projects and things that are many people are doing together, which has been a good call, I think, for the church to say, how can we serve the poor? How can we help those who are less fortunate and so forth? Um, how, how, what can we do? But, but really, service begins way before that. And being in the midst of this quarantine where you can't easily go out and do other things, you can do things from a distance, but is I think where this we can really grow in this area of service in our small circles in our immediate family, and it starts service starts with an attitude in our hearts, which we tend to think of service because it is an action. It is. We we tend to only think of service as the going and the doing, and right now that's more inhibited than but, and it is that, ever. But it has to include at least our awareness of, well, what kind of attitude do I have as I do this? Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, there's nothing like being, you know, in a quarantine where you're, you, you, you notice things that maybe you hadn't noticed before. But, you know, I'm moved by things of just noticing my, you know, my daughter visits her shut-in, her grandmother, and, and, and is aware of that and wants to do that. That's a, that's a, a small act of service. Or, you know, doing the dishes because... You know, mom and dad are still working and very busy. And again, in, in the attitude that I see that comes out there is just as important um, as if she were doing something major that everybody noticed. And so some of what may be coming out right now is we might be 
being exposed, um, you know, individually or even, you know, as as a church or as um, corporate America, whatever we might be being exposed some for our motives, um, you know, during service. It, and now that it's limited to sometimes just our immediate family, we can also find it to, hard to serve in those ways with people where we're getting very little accolades or praise, you know, for what we're doing or how we're serving because we tend to in our own family just think, well, this is what's expected. This is, we're all in this together, you know, and so we don't even um, see that maybe in our spouse um, when they are doing a project we've asked them to work on for the last several months or years, that that's their act of service, you know, toward me in the midst of this or... You know, one of the big things I've been thinking of is the many parents who aren't teachers who haven't been used to teaching and they're teaching their kids and they're keeping them at home and they're tired and they're weary and it's difficult and it easily would cause discouragement but but to see that what they're doing is a service to the Lord in the way they go about the you know the the difficulty with their teaching their kids I mean that that can change everything mm-hmm. and so it doesn't mean you always feel like it and you don't always feel good when you're doing it but if you can see it that this is an act of service I'm doing this because I'm you know, my, my child needs this right now, or this is um, a way that I give my spouse a break because I take my kids outside and I, and, and, and we play with them, even though, you know, I remember doing this when, when our kids were younger and I had a day a week where you worked and I watched our kids during those days. And, you know, those were not always fun days. They you were pretty, always said it was the hardest day of your hard, week. Because it was tedious, because by <laughs> nature to settle down into the small world of where kids are and play and stuff. And I, you know, I can do that with imagination and stuff, but it's not really where I'm stimulated. It's not really satisfying. So we're just saying this act of service may not, may be really mundane mm-hmm. right now, but it's still service if, and this is what God's prepared for us in this season. He would still have us to live out our servant hearts right now when the Even opportunities are more limited. Toward your family or the immediate people that, you know, you can be around while you're isolated or whatever it might be. And the reason this is so important is that, I mean, we need to give ourselves that permission to sorrow, but sometimes um, we can all become very self-absorbed in our sorrow, in our, you know, own pain. And so surrendering to God and to what His purposes might be in my suffering gets me out of my own self-absorbed world as well because that elevates it to who God is. It elevates it to, okay, God's God's doing something in this. How do I cooperate with what God's doing or what He wants to do in me or through me through this and, um, and, and, experience? And then, you know, as a result of that, then I, you know, I'm able to go live and and you can see why this is important because, uh, I mean, if, if we're self-absorbed in our own sorrow and our own pain, we'll never serve other people. We'll be wanting people to serve us right. all of the time. And that just, you know, feeds all of these negative emotions that can come in and impact relationships. Yeah, so <clears throat> so we used to talk about people wanting to be missionaries. And, and, and one of the things that was... <clears throat> 
said by experienced missionaries is if how are you living for Christ in your world today? Because if you're not living for him in your world today, you're not going to do it overseas. You're not going to do it in a harder place. Mm-hmm. So th- that applies here of how are you living in your home today? How are you living with the people in your world today? Let God cultivate this heart in you by choosing to do certain acts of service. Vacuum the house if that's what needs to be done. Um, put on, you know, shave, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's easy to go through days and think, well, I don't have to shave today. I'm not going to see anybody. Um, you know, wear, ni- me. wear nice clothes for your spouse. Put on makeup. You mm-hmm. know, do, do something thinking of other people and how that might be for them. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, service goes beyond us. But it, mm-hmm. it, in it, it, this time, I think it's with the people in your world. And we're having to be creative. I think we can get outside of our world and out. And outside of all of that, but we're having to do it through technology or, I mean, I've personally written a lot more handwritten mm-hmm. notes yeah. during this time to people um, just, uh, you know, to do something. And I mean, to a couple of my friends, I looked up jokes and wrote in a card <laughs> and it was really kind of corny, but it was just, I thought I'm going to send them a joke, you That's know, funny. for the day just to do something fun. So um, anyway. And, I, you know, I, I mean, uh, making a phone call. Yes. You know, I just call on somebody. We've gotten used to texting all the time, and that's kind of... But how about just picking up the phone and hearing somebody's voice and letting them hear your voice? Yeah. So in closing here, um, where might you need to give yourself permission to sorrow? I mean, that's that's our, our first question. Our second question is, what do you need to accept and surrender? So maybe your burden is lighter here. And have you considered the strength and peace that can be yours if you focus on the character of God, who He is in your surrender? Um, you're focusing on the who rather than, rather than the why. And then where might you grow in having an attitude of service today? And especially as we've been talking about in the mundane places of your life. We're practicing all these things. Um, this is one of those that we're really living as we speak it, huh? Yeah. So. And, We're with you all in this. And and if I can, I would just say, a, you know, a quick prayer. Lord, help us and help all the people that hear these words um, turn to you and be strengthened by your words that we might love you well, <clears throat> we might love others well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Rory and Danina, we encourage you to visit RedeemedHeartsMinistries.com where you'll find blog posts, free podcast episodes, and we've just launched the Redeemed Hearts Ministries video store and subscription memberships. Rory and Danina will be putting out monthly videos that go deeper into matters of the heart with tips and tools for life and relationships. It is our hope that these videos will further help you mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually as you live from your redeemed heart. Please visit the website to check out the different subscription levels that are available. Each video is available for individual purchase as well in the video store page. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please rate, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out to us through the website as well. God bless and stay safe.